Hello everyone and welcome to the season 9 premiere of Setting the Tone. In our retrospective, we finally made it, friends. The show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth and with me today as always are Lauren. Hello. And a very relieved Daniel. Hey! <laughs> today we'll be discussing season 9, episode 1, which is called Chaos Theory. The episode aired on September 26, 2002. Lauren, what happened over that summer 21 years ago? I'm sorry, but before we go on, that was music to my ears. Could you say again what episode we're on? <laughs> Season 9, Episode 1, which is titled Chaos Theory. Uh, I just needed the first part. Thank you. All right, you guys. So the better question is, what didn't happen this summer? This uh, headline section may be longer than the episode itself, so bear <laughs> with me. I may but have to tap in. We'll see. Th- there was a lot of important stuff. The summer happened, but first off, a belated happy 14th birthday to Lizzie in 2002. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, HBO's foray into prestige television continues as the crime drama Jake and Daniel will never shut up about. The Wire makes its debut. The show would run for 60 episodes that Lauren will never get around to watching over five seasons, winning a litany of awards along the way. Uh... Important to my upbringing, Canadian pop-punk sensation Avril Lavigne released her debut album, Let Go. The album contains songs such as Complicated, Skater Boy, and I'm With You. I have vivid <sighs> I have vivid memories of walking home in elementary school in fifth grade with this on my CD player and thinking it was the dopest shit ever. <laughs> I was never a fan of, like, the full album, but, like, the singles fucking slap. It's okay to be wrong. Uh, the reality TV craze <laughs> continues to ramp up as singing competition show American Idol debuts over on Fox. Notable winners of the show's early seasons include Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood. The show also launched the careers of such runner-up singers as Adam Lambert, Jennifer Hudson, Chris Daughtry, and Clay Aiken. Uh, over in the NBA, I'm going to dissociate for this whole section, the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers compete. Let's see how much I can read and dissociate at the same time. Complete I can just a- sing Kelly Clarkson at you. Uh, complete a four-game sweep of the New Jersey Nets to win no. their third okay. straight NBA championship. Shaquille O'Neal is named MVP for the third time in a row as well. It's the Lakers dynasty instead of the Bulls dynasty. Welcome in, folks. Neat. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming one of you will jump in if there's anything here you actually want to talk about. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep fucking rolling. Uh, in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, the Detroit Red Wings defeated the Carolina Hurricanes four games to one to win their franchise's 10th ever championship. Red Wings coach Scotty Bowman retired after the series, having won an NHL record nine championships. Bowman would later take an advisory job with the Chicago Blackhawks, helping them win three championships between 2010 and 2015. I hate that that's that that time is forever tainted for me. <sighs> I'm sorry, Just, babe. Ah, uh, because it was so it was so good. It, it was, was so, magical. Such, it was such a good time to be in Chicago during those years. Yes. Uh, after here we go, we're gonna totally fucking pivot here. After a massive financial scandal unfolds, the second largest telecommunications company in the U.S., WorldCom, files for bankruptcy. Three point eight billion dollars in fraudulent transactions and eleven billion dollars in fraudulent assets were reported by the company between 1999 and 2002 in a scheme to inflate the company's stock price. Yeah, this I, I read into this. People got royally fucked oh absolutely mm. I feel capitalism's like we, a scam 
I feel like we can't be that far off either from the whole uh, Enron scandal. Yeah, well. absolutely I've been not. I've been keeping an eye out for it. And uh, like, and and then all of this is happening kind of in the midst of the dot com bubble bursting. Uh, so you know, mm-hmm. you factor all of that in with like you know nine eleven and the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan and all this stuff. So it is not a great time economically. Like it is, is pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, Especially when you report fourteen, like almost nearly fifteen billion dollars worth of fraudulent stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my in three uh, years. My uh, a member of my extended family. Let's put it that way. A member of my extended family. Uh, around this time, maybe a couple of years prior to this, uh, was like one of those on paper millionaires. Like had like mm-hmm. a shit ton of money because of the dot com uh, era. And when all that stuff, when when all this shit went down and all the stuff went, uh, you know, belly up, he lost it all. Ooh. Like went from being like on paper a millionaire to, you know, barely having a pot to piss in. Did get a house out of the deal though, so he's doing better than most millennials. Uh, at the fifty fourth annual Emmy Awards, Friends takes the award for outstanding comedy series, while fellow NBC show The West Wing wins for outstanding drama series. ER was not nominated because the world is a cruel place. John Wells did lose the award for outstanding writing for a drama series, though. And No justice in this world. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. The first ever public version of Mozilla's Firefox web browser was released, which reminds Lizzie that she keeps meaning to switch it over from Google to Firefox. Get on that. Because it's way better privacy features on Firefox versus Chrome. Neat. Actress Sarah Michelle Gellar and actor Freddie Prince Jr. tie the knot. The couple are still together as of this recording and have two children together. And we're both in Star Wars Rebels, which will, Daniel will never watch. I was going to get to it if you didn't. And, uh, notable- uh, and Freddie Prince Jr. for our you know contractually obligated wrestling talk. Freddie Prince Jr. was, for a time, a writer on uh, in WWE. And did have a stint in the, and did have a uh, lead role in the best sci-fi movie of all time, Wing Commander. You okay. Say, you uh, can keep saying it. No one else has seen the movie to I, challenge you. So somebody... I know that's that's fair. <laughs> uh, notable deaths over the summer include the notorious mafia gangster John Gotti, legendary singer and actress Rosemary Clooney, MLB Hall of Famer Ted Williams, and legendary NFL quarterback Johnny Unitas. Oh no! That means it's been twenty-one years since uh, the whole Ted Williams frozen head controversy. Oh boy! Wait, what? Wait, what? Oh yeah. So uh, I'm not sure if it still is. I haven't kept up on it. But uh, Ted, if you've ever got like an afternoon to kill, look into the whole drama surrounding the Ted Williams estate. Uh, so Ted Williams, very famous uh, Hall of Fame baseball player, uh, was like he was a Red Sox player back in like World War II, and was uh, very. He's very famously the last um, last MLB player to hit 400 for a season. Uh, one of the greatest players of all time. By the early 2000s, he's not doing great. Like, his, his health is failing by the early 2000s. And they trot him out for the All-Star game at Fenway Park in, I think, 99. And then by here in, in 2002, he is, like, on death's door. And so apparently, like, right before he dies, uh, his real wackadoo son makes a bunch of changes to his will. 
and then like haphazardly uh gets his dad to sign off on it uh before he's like incapacitated uh to include the stipulation that when he died his head and brain was to be cryogenically frozen uh and so yeah so after ted williams dies his head is removed along with his brain and is cryogenically frozen uh and i believe his like his wackadoo kid uh and a couple other members of his extended family were also like this was like a a thing this was like a pact you know like they were all gonna do this and it was so that you know like if technology ever caught up and like medical science ever caught up they could potentially be you know thought out and futurama they 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 could be futurama somewhere down the line um and yeah it was it's fucking wild like that whole saga is incredible because like it it just like kept the the twists kept coming like there's like there's like uh, you know gold digging wives and and crazy ass sons and then like the son ends up dying of brain cancer like 5 years later and like it's just it's bizarre like i'm just saying if you got an afternoon to kill Look up the Ted Williams estate drama. It is nuts. And I, I honestly don't know where we stand on it today. I don't know if his head is still cryogenically frozen. Uh, but it was it was a huge news story around the time of his death. But why just the head? Well, because the brain's the most important part. Like, you know, what is the rest of you? I mean, and I'm sure it's a lot cheaper to store just a head and a brain than it is an entire body. I guess, I but, like, I've heard of plenty of cases of rich people doing their whole bodies. Physically but... physically speaking, like, his body was the least useful thing about him by the time he died. Like, he was he was a very old man who was not in good health. So, like, the rest of his body was kind of immaterial. His brain was the important thing. And, I, like, and still to this day, like, I think there's no real evidence that he, this was actually his wish. A, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence pointing to the idea that this was all his wackadoo son's idea. And the son is also dead now, too. So, like, who fucking knows? Like, who who fucking knows what the real answer is anymore? I keep going to talk, and I'm so afraid Daniel's going to start again. So I'm just what? waiting. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it, was happened, like the... it happened, like, twice. So I'm just saying, like, at uh, September, tw- I almost said 2022. That's not right. September 2002 has an oddly high number of notable births, though, including Stranger Things actor Gaten Matarazzo, Miss Marvel actress Iman Vellani, Wednesday actress Jenny Ortega, and dancer Maddie Ziegler. Sick. I like all of them. They're all great. Uh, number one movies over the summer include, here we go, this is a formative fucking list. Right. Uh, yeah. Star here Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, The Sum of All Fears, Scooby-Doo, Lilo and Stitch, Mr. Deeds, Men in Black 2, Stuart Little 2, Austin Powers and Goldmember, Signs, Triple uh, X, and mm-hmm. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. This week, though, comedy movie Barbershop, starring Ice Cube, retains the box office crown for its second and final week. Do, do you not know Triple X, uh, Lauren? I've never watched it. The Vin it. Diesel joint? The, the, never the, watched it. The extreme sports-themed attempt to make Vin Diesel into the next James Bond? Never watched it. It's fucking bad, but it's, I, it's, yeah. it, it's somehow worse when they reboot it in the sequel with Ice Cube instead. Um, but yeah, it's not. Uh, but boy, what a formative summer, though! Holy right? shit! Like, I, like, I definitely saw uh, episode two in the theaters. Definitely saw Lilo and Stitch. Definitely saw Men in Black two. Definitely saw Goldmember and well, Stuart Little two, maybe not. I definitely saw Stuart Little one. I don't know about two. Um, 
I watched Scooby-Doo so many fucking times. Scooby-Doo, here's the weird thing. The two on that list that I've probably seen the most, Scooby-Doo and Mr. Deeds. Don't yeah, know. Mr. But. Deeds was definitely, I think this might be the, and I'm sure I've said this before and I'm sure, sure I'm contradicting myself, but I feel like Mr. Deeds was the first Adam Sandler movie that I was like, no thanks. Like, that not, was, it was like, that one for me. Like, not, not saw it and didn't like it didn't bother to see it like that's where i was at at this point it was like it was not even a i'm not i'm gonna watch this and it's not gonna hit me it was i think i'm done with this i don't need to see I, this i'm sure it doesn't hold up up well but i watched it so much as a kid also my brother dragged me a signs and i somehow loved it and i need to make lauren watch it it is on my list even though i'm horrified of aliens in case i haven't talked about that before i don't necessarily believe aliens are a thing but for some reason alien abduction movies scare the dickens out of me as far as like horror and sci-fi movies go absolute dickens like if i'm up at 3 a.m because like i've woken up to get a glass of water or something that's one of those things that if i start thinking about it you better believe i'm gonna have trouble falling back asleep dick just never watch war of the worlds war of the worlds is fine it's the fuck it's the goddamn fourth kind that's the one that ruins me. Anyway, the music charts over the summer, we're still, we're like 20 minutes in and we still haven't finished this. The music charts over the summer were dominated by three songs, Foolish by Ashanti, Hot in Here by Nelly, and the current number one song, Dilemma, by Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland and oh my god, the time capsule continues. The summer of Nelly, folks. Right. Summer of Nelly. It's and getting hot in here. You stop that. And Daniel, so what else was clothes. on? I can't let it go by without mentioning the uh, the music video for Dilemma where she texts him on uh, Microsoft yes. Excel. <laughs> she yes. texts him what, in, she t- in Excel? Yeah, yep. so in the video, she has one of those, like, the the fl- not the, f- like, Razor flip phones, but one of those, like, flip phones with the keyboard on the inside. Yeah. Oh yeah, and she's messaging him like, "Where are you?" or something. It's like because the whole song is about like cheating, I think, or something. I don't know. But Aaron will correct me. Um, And like in the video, she's in the video, she's texting him to be like, "Where are you?" And the screen that she's typing on is a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. Okay, I need you to know, I just Googled this to send Lizzie, like, a picture. The first thing that comes up is an article from The Independent saying, Nelly finally addresses Kelly Rowland trying to text him in Excel. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you've never heard of that. It was a whole, it was a whole thing. It was not, it's not my kind of music. I wasn't really, I was listening to Q101, the alt-rock, the alt-rock station in Chicago here. Yeah. All summer, like always. But yes, as Lauren said, what else was on that evening? We will mercifully put an end to the uh, headline segment just for Lauren's sake. At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One Where No One Proposes. At 8.30, Scrubs with the episode My Overkill. At 9, Will and Grace with the episode And the Horse He Rode In On. And at 9.30, we got a brand new show, uh, Good Morning Miami with its pilot episode, a sitcom starring Mark Feuerstein about the personal and professional life of an executive producer of a very low-rated Miami, Florida morning show. Uh, It lasts for two seasons and 39 episodes, but only 30 of which were aired. Uh, It was pulled off the air in its second season after the producers sued NBC. Oh. Uh, So feels like there's a a bit of a juicy story there. Apparently, it's the same executive producer. Uh, as Will and Grace, uh, so I guess this was an, a, a not a spinoff, but like you know, let's maybe sprinkle a little bit of the uh, the dust from Will and Grace onto this new project. Uh, doesn't work out. Doesn't end well. 
which brings us into the uh, season premiere here with 26.7 million viewers tuning in, directed by Jonathan Kaplan, finishing off the uh, what he started at the end of season eight. Uh, this is his 25th out of 40, and of course the last time we saw him was just last episode with Lockdown. Uh, and written by the team of Jack Orman, doing his 25th out of 28. Last time we saw him was The Letter. And R. Scott Gemmel, bet you there will be a dick joke in here somewhere, uh, doing his 13th out of 32. And the last time we saw him was Brothers and Sisters. Uh, oh. Boy. Now I know why Pratt and uh, Carter were... Mm. Yeah, that was... Being a, a, sexually, a sexual asshole. <laughs> that would probably we be R. Scott We will get there. Yes. Uh, so few notes to get into as we uh open the episode uh the original title of this episode was unknown origin uh which they uh big wet fart here right i mean i don't know it's in a vacuum it It would make sense yeah in a vacuum i don't hate it but you know we've definitely heard worse alternate titles for episodes very true uh this episode did win an emmy for outstanding single camera sound mixing Hey. hey Uh, and most interestingly, uh, Halle, uh, one Yvette Freeman, had to be written out of this episode as she lost a whopping 117 pounds over the summer break. And they could not figure out a realistic way I mean, to incorporate that into the episode. Yeah, considering uh, the shooting break there. Right. Because, you know, the episode at best is what, like a couple days, maybe a week tops canonically after the last one. It starts, uh, yeah. It like, starts, no, it starts yeah. the same day, and it goes into two weeks later. Got it. Okay, yeah. So, like, they, they jump around a little bit with the timeline, but, like, it is it is pretty much picking right up where the last one left off. So, it would be pretty tough to have Hale come, you know, because she's in the first half of the episode, and have her come in looking completely different, you know, in the second half of the episode. I could totally see why. And it wasn't like she was playing, like, an integral role in the, the whole process so i can totally see why they uh decided to write her out all right our previously on is brought to us by carter and we open the madness with uh we're in the congo a man tranks a monkey and drives a bank to camp brings a sample in of its i'm assuming presumably blood yeah into it into the medical tent uh doctors are scraping sores off of a young child and they're with the same pustules as the kids in chicago hmm Hmm. Well, are we sure it's unknown origin? Are we sure it's not from here? Pretty sure it's from here. All right. Uh, but they're racing to get the samples taken to to a lab, and it's a nice. It's a weird montage of like various people like uh, relay racing this thing, this box, this medical biohazard waste box, and it, they end up in. Uh, Hamburg, Germany, which Daniel has a note. Uh, it's, it's Christian names, please. Germany, Hamburg. When I went Hamburg. to type the notes, I almost did it. And I was like, <laughs> no, because it's going to fuck whoever is actually reading this up. So thank you, Daniel. Yeah. This is America. We say Hamburg, Germany. No, we uh, don't. In Chicago, they call it uh, Germany, Hamburg. Or at least in Carla's house, they do. Okay, what's going on? Anyway, but the lab results are sent to... The- the infectious disease control unit at the cent- at the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, the CDC. Uh, and it turns out it's the same mutation of, of the Chicago strain. Hmm. Uh, excuse me, that's the same mutation as the Chicago strain. Someone get me Chicago. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm glad. I love that. 
I'm I'm glad like we're starting here because like for one thing, it's it's so easy to look at this and go like, all right, I see why Lizzie's into this. Because like this is like <laughs> this is every this is this is the movie Volcano, but just with monkeypox. No, it's contagion. Of, well but right, but I'm saying like it, this is the same they're all the same movie. It's just like change the the thing that's happening. How dare you? Contagion is better than most of those. They're all outbreak now. All the same movie. And like so this was so like over the top cheesy, like, you know, phone tag thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just like it just killed me. And like there are not not to like jump ahead to the end of the episode, but like this this episode I did enjoy immensely more than lockdown. Uh but I can't deny that like there are parts of this episode that are just cartoonishly dumb. <laughs> like there are parts of this episode and it's not the ones you think. Like it's not the ones you think of when you think of this episode from, you know, top down like the thing that happens later. Like no, no, no. Like the the parts that are cartoonishly dumb about this episode are everything that happens outside of the hospital. Yeah. Uh but the <laughs> speaking of dumb things, Carter is doing shadow puppets on the back of the wall while Abby watches Luca, Malik and Susan at Admit with the CDC personnel. So a reminder, in case we didn't remember, Carter and Abby are, uh, you know, locked up in trauma one because they're quarantined. Uh, Susan comes to break some bad news. They need to evacuate the hospital. Everyone but Carter and Abby. Dun, dun, and Pratt dun, dun. and Chen and Stan. Um, and then we come in with some bangs. So we're starting off the season strong. Notable here, goodbye Anthony Edwards, no longer in the credits. Noah Wiley is now first, swirling in a spinny chair like Mark did on his intro mm-hmm. little frames. It's a nice, and, uh, nice little evolution Yeah, of that. we noticed that. We're like, okay, that, that works, that rhymes. And uh, Mikhail Pfeiffer is in the credits now. So, yay. We, we are officially on to season nine. Things are changing. Let's go. <laughs> to which we go over to uh, Lizzie on the train, and we slowly realize that she's in London. A, because the train looks a lot nicer, and B, she goes above ground, and we see Big Ben and the Parliament Building. Uh, and there's a bizarre little uh, Anthony Edwards trivia nugget here that uh, I do not... Uh, I'm going to start off by saying that I do not agree with. <laughs> like, I do I do not think this is a thing, but uh, it, it is mentioned in enough places and by enough people that I feel like I have to at least acknowledge it, lest I be, like, inundated with messages from people saying, you didn't talk about the thing. So uh, as Lizzie is coming up the stairs from the train station, uh, there is purportedly to include the IMDb trivia section, which any person with a pulse is free to edit. You can put anything you want in there, and you can make up any old kind of bullshit and put some stuff in there. And it doesn't have to be true. Uh, But uh, there is supposedly a brief uncredited cameo from one Mr. Anthony Tiberius Edwards uh, going down the stairs in the opposite direction just past uh, Elizabeth. They don't interact. They don't talk, of course, because, you know, he's dead. But uh, also just because he's not actually there. That's not Anthony Edwards. I I, I watched. I did my due diligence. I watched and rewound the episode like five or six times like watching this intently does she pass a bald white guy yes she does pass a bald white guy do i think there's any remote possibility that that's anthony edwards no uh it's you know first of all it's a location shot so are they really gonna are they really gonna fucking haul anthony edwards all the way over to to fucking london for a two-second cameo that he's not gonna get credited and presumably not paid for like okay man like it's just it doesn't work like that so now, 
Well, do I think there's a small possibility because there was this whole like justification for it that was supposed to be like it's supposed to symbolize how he's always going to be with her and blah, 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 whatever. Uh, is it possible that that was the intent of the visual? Maybe. Sure. I would buy that. I would buy, you know, the English major interpretation of all this that like, yeah, sure. Uh, there's this unspoken uh, meaning behind all of this. But they were definitely just going to go find a bald British extra and stick him in there and not bring fucking Anthony Edwards all the way over to England just for a two-second background cameo that he doesn't get paid for. So sorry to, like, dump cold water on the whole thing. Sorry, IMDb trivia section. But until I see some kind of definitive – it's never been mentioned by in any official capacity by anyone from the show. I can find no trace of it whatsoever on the internet. I don't buy it. I know you've been uh, sitting on that one for a while. Are you glad you got that out of your system? Uh, no, I, I am. But, like, somebody somebody brought it up on our Discord, like, a few months ago. And we're, like, not – they, they were they were not, like, saying, like, uh, you know, it, th- oh, this is undisputed fact. They were just, like, oh, I heard somebody say this and that this is a thing. You guys should be on the lookout for it. And so I, you know, I figured, like, once we got here, we needed to at least be on the lookout for it. And I was just unconvinced. Like, I'm, it, it did not – did not sway me. Okay. Um, I have an update on ten, Ted Williams' head. Jesus Lauren's Lauren's thrilled. Uh, apparently, by all accounts, it's still frozen. But not uh, by. Uh, but according to a, uh, an expose tell-all book in 2009 by a former employee, it is no longer in one piece because <laughs> it was it was struck by a monkey wrench. <laughs> After it, after they were transferring it, oh. somehow it got, a tuna can got on it and was stuck to it. So I swung a monkey wrench at the tuna can, and little bits I, of Ted Williams went all over not the room. Funny, I, but it I, is. I, I can't be mad because the amount of times I've googled Holy something and interrupted shit. like three segments later. Uh, <laughs> so I feel uh, looking for closure on we, that. Are we it's, sure that wasn't a Futurama episode? Because that sounds no, like a Futurama. It was episode. reported by ESPN. I found an ESPN article from 2009, That's... and there hasn't been. There's nothing but like, "Hey, did you know this is a thing?" That's... Posts from t- like 2022. That's amazing. So, <laughs> okay, well, this next part's going to be disappointing compared to that. But then we <laughs> we see uh, doctors doing rounds at the English hospital with Lizzie. Uh, she just kind of makes a snide comment in the middle of the guy's rounds, and he's like, "Oh, well, you know, clearly you have something to share. So let's go talk about your patient." And she goes and she tries to talk about him and everything. And, you know, she's like, oh, you know, he's a 25-year-old male. He's not actually 25. But the guy's like, man, male is an adjective. My cocker spaniel is male. And he just keeps going. And it's like, okay, I'm pedantic and this is too much. (laughs) It's like just just showing off that people are being assholes to her and she's a duck out of water here too. Um, There there you go. Now you have levels of pedantic that you can be. Do you want to be Lauren pedantic or do you want to be British doctor pedantic? Depends on I the day. To be, I strive to be British doctor pedantic, but alas, here I am. But then uh, the resident continues to be a hard ass about her presentation language for the rest of it. Ugh, boy. And uh, our British doc here, who might as well have, like, Union Jack fucking face paint and have just, like, baked beans fall out of his mouth when he talks. Like, he's just, like, <laughs> the most British dude who has ever Britished. Like, he just, it's coming out of his pores. Are you sure it's not one of those people in the background, the dude in the background with really bad teeth 
that was laughing. Right. Like, like somebody mentions in the, the listener responses, like, I'm surprised they didn't have this guy in like fucking Austin Powers glasses and like big fake teeth and just like tea just coming out of his pores. Like, he's just so ridiculously over the top British and, and which I like this actor. So that it kind of annoys me how cartoonish they make him in this uh this episode because i do like the actor um uh, the actor's name is jim piddick and he is uh one of the kind of uh go-to guys for christopher guest uh if he needs a british uh guy in one of his movies um he was in uh mascots which i have yet to check out but apparently is still on netflix that's like the most recent christopher guest movie um he had a brief uh minor role in independence day uh and he was in best in show uh the uh where he is the the stuffy British straight man to Fred Willard's co- uh, color commentator role when Fred Willard is like Fred Willard, who sorry, I've heard Fred Willard talk about that role where he talks about how like uh, sometimes you get those color commentators on sports who have like clearly are they just there for the free food and to have a good time like he's like you could just tell that they've taken no effort whatsoever to learn the ball players names or anything about them or like all this stuff he's just they're just there for a good time and he's like that was how i decided to play the role in best in show like he was like <laughs> i'm just the guy who showed up for the free food and is like knows nothing about dogs and this I, stuffy <sighs> british guy has to play straight man to that and it's so how good. do we all how do we all feel about best in show i fucking love it I haven't seen it in <gasps> in forever. I'm not gonna say it's, it. I've, I'm not gonna say it. But the the whole the for me like the holy trinity of the early Chris Guest movies like uh, Best in Show, Mighty Wind, uh, and um, Waiting for Guffman. Which like now at having worked in theater for several years, I feel like I would appreciate Waiting for Guffman so much more than I did. I- I haven't seen the other two, so I will have to watch them. Oh, you'd fucking love Mighty Wind. Mighty Wind is fucking, uh, oh, brother, where art thou, but improvised and funny. (laughs) I mean, I know, I know, oh, brother, where art thou is funny as is, but like, but like, add a little bit of like showmanship into, oh, brother, where art thou. (laughs) Like, it's, it's about, it's all about folk music and stuff, and like, you would just. Oh, fuck yes. Okay. Uh, Lizzie, put it on the Plex server. Uh, then we go over to. Carrie is helping with evacuations outside the hospital, and the woman that was complaining last episode is still looking for her fiancé, who has not been evacuated yet. This goes on to be very interesting later, and I completely forgot (laughs) about this. Which, you know, me forgetting about something doesn't say much, but the fact that you forgot, too, shows just how weird it is. Um, Almost everyone is evacuated. Susan compliments Carrie, like, oh, great job, glad you're here. And Carrie goes, you kicked ass, and I still ship it. (laughs) <laughs> and so there does Laura Innes <laughs> yes vindication alright uh, we go back into the hospital Galant is administering vaccines it's like 15 little pricks all in one hey. little area <laughs> <laughs> we call that a fraternity uh. <laughs> but like, one of the guys is being a really loud asshole about it like he tries to like steal one of the bracelets before he's actually gotten vaccinated and Galant obviously catches him it's like, I'll come back tomorrow, whatever. And Susan's like, it's 15 little pricks. Get your, sh- get your shots and get it, uh, and get the hell out of here. Susan's just done with everyone's bullshit. Uh, and Abby is administering Carter's vaccine when Susan gives them an update. So let's listen in to that. Make sure you don't touch that. Where are they taking them? Upstairs, respiratory isolation. 
And why do we have to stay in this petri dish? Prolonged exposure, whatever that means. Did you find out for how long? The virus is an unknown player. You said monkeypox. A variant of monkeypox, that's the problem. How long? Two weeks. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. They promised a public health nurse on duty around the clock. Why two weeks? What aren't they telling us? I don't know. I think they're just being extra cautious. Sorry about all this. Me too. Thank you. <laughs> That's such a like limp dick fucking like, you know. Oh, sorry about all this. <laughs> sorry about the whole, you know, bringing a 50-year-old virus and, you know, killing my kid and making you fucking sitting here for two weeks. I got so mad that he took his mask off too to say it. It's like not like, oh, you're gonna infect everybody, but like, really, dude? It's just like read the dude, room. A lot of this episode really set up the vibe for 2020. <laughs> yeah. This... And 2021, once the vaccine was released. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and I just have to say it here because there's not going to be anywhere else in the episode to say it. But whose films are those? <laughs> One of the children. Who knows? But we then go over to uh, check in with uh, Chen, uh, Pratt, and Stan. Stan is coughing and Chen is cranky because he won't quit making noise. Uh, Stan started coughing up blood, so that's cool. Fun. That's great. Uh, Chen and Pratt are uh, giving him the once-over and a mask. Chen wants to get him a TB test, uh, but Pratt doesn't want to be double quarantined. Uh, we then see Susan and Luca taking a patient up to be airlifted. The man is uh, screaming that he has a bad feeling about it and to take him back. That line seems unnecessary. Uh, maybe let's <laughs> like let's just telegraph what we're doing a little bit harder. Uh, and then we see Romano wheeling a patient out, trying to get them out uh, as well to be transferred. Tells uh, Shirley to get on out. That's the last time we see her this episode. And then he go runs to catch the elevator, and I love the. Uh, uh, I'm guessing it's not in the clip, but I love the uh, bit of him on the phone with the. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's not in the clip. The guy like, I want you to treat all these patients like you would your own mother, uh, but without with the less other. inappropriate touching. <laughs> less inappropriate touching, like it is. So it is really nice that we get one more genuinely good, uh, you know, full-bodied <laughs> Romano moment. Uh, before what's about to happen. Yeah, so we are, uh, our next audio ah. clip here, I will preface it, I did include the noise. <laughs> the noise. So, fair warning, it is loud, so turn your podcast Gore. volume uh, down, down to skosh, and there is the noise of someone's limb being chopped off by a helicopter. So... Let's, uh, with that said, uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. Luca and Susan are on the roof with their patient when Romano shows up with his.
you know you're right. I'll tell you what, you can take the chopper after I finish with it. Let's go. Test 101. All right, you got 10 grains of Tylenol and piggyback the jet of my trick. Daniel, your fucking face. <laughs> Whereas I'm just like chippity choppity bitches. <laughs> kind of tasty so, audio. I yeah, completely so. forgot. Like I God, I knew this happened, but I completely forgot it's because he bent over to pick up a chart. Mm-hmm. A fucking yep. idiot. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, uh, you know, I don't know. I saw kind of a, a mixed response in the listener responses about this moment, about how, you know, of course, it's it's a notorious moment. It is, you know, it was heavily sort of promoted, like, that something bad was going to happen in this episode. Like, they don't know that they came right out and said something bad involving a helicopter is going to happen. But, like, it just, it's a moment that I feel like has a reputation that precedes it. And I felt, watching it, that I was like, this is not nearly as goofy and stupid as people make it out to be. And I feel yeah, like 100%. I feel like people uh, superimpose the other thing yep. onto it, which is, I still maintain, really fun and really dumb, uh, but is really, like, looks really bad and is really poorly done. Uh, but still this. is really funny. Right, but I still think it's kind of the point. Like, I feel like that's it's a little bit of its charm is in its jankiness. Uh, like, this, on the other hand, this is cinematic as fuck and, like, is meant is not meant to be funny in any way and is not meant to be a joke and is not meant to... I don't see this at all. Like, a lot of people like to point to this moment as, like, oh, like, this is when the show went down the shitter. And it's like, I don't not agree with... I don't agree with that at all. Like, I feel like... Yeah. I, if anything, I feel like this is a moment that would, like... If I was kind of waffling about, oh, do I stick with this show or not, like, after Mark is gone, this would be a moment that would probably pull me back in. Like, this would be a moment where I'd be like, okay, well, this is interesting. Like, that's a that's a new twist, you know? Like, granted, they don't really do as much with it as I, was, as I would like them to, uh, but... You know, I feel like it's definitely a compelling moment, and I feel like it's handled actually quite well. Uh, incredibly nauseating afterwards, just for me, like with the disorienting camera work and audio as Luca and Susan go to stabilize him. Mm-hmm. Like that for me was so hard because of like the, the chopper, the the blade, the chopper visual effect. I was like, I just had to sit there, like Lizzie, tell me what I'm missing. Yeah, yeah, and which I could definitely see that being uh, a tough watch for somebody in your circumstances. But I will say that, like, just from a cinematic standpoint, it is very it is it's a it is a very interesting looking scene, and it is shot really really well. Like, it's I, I love it. I, I really enjoyed it. Sorry. Yeah, just like the blood spurting out as as Susan's trying to clamp off like the major one of the major arteries, and, oh, and the puking. Yeah, yeah him puking, yeah. and then the shot of the arm. Yeah. Yep. Blech. But then we go back to uh, Chen and Pratt doing an analysis on Stan's blood down in the lab. Uh, it's just pneumonia, not TB. And Chen yells at Pratt for taking his mask off. And he's like, we're the only ones fucking here. I'm like, come on. It's like, okay, fair. Um, but then Susan is working on the two patients on the roof and Romano trying to figure out how to transport them all. And Luca yells for a surgeon to come up for Romano. There's this a little bit of backseat driving too, but I just, the, the thought just occurred to me. Um, like, do you think there was any discussion at all? Or do you think there was like any, like, 
you know, what, maybe it wasn't even in the, th maybe they hadn't even thought of the idea yet. But, like, it almost seems to me like Romano getting his arm cut off should have been the cliffhanger for the season. Like, that Ooh, almost feels like... Interesting. It almost feels like him getting his arm cut off. Like, because, like, now that I'm looking back on it, the whole, like, uh, Abby and Carter kiss and then, like, kind of awkwardly look at each other feels like kind of a wet fart of a, of a season cliffhanger when you consider that 10 minutes into the next episode, a guy gets his arm chopped off by a helicopter. Like, it feels like that would have been a much more interesting, like, oh, shit, now I gotta tune in next season. Maybe moment. part of it was they were either trying to finalize logistics or the effects budget hadn't carried over. Sure, or and yeah, I'm sure that a lot of that has to do with it. And and I know from when we talked to Paul McCrane, he did sort of you know imply that like the conversation about the helicopter occurred over the summer, like it was like yeah. it was a you know here's what we have planned for you next season kind of thing. So he wasn't even expecting anything like this when they were doing lockdown. But it just, you know, I don't know, it's like I said, it's backseat driving at this point. It's no, but it it feels to me like that would have been a more compelling way to end the last season and bring bring people back for season nine. Um, I don't know. Just just a thought. Literally what we're here for. Mm -hmm. We have uh, the one of the first ah moments. Aren't they cute of Abby and Carter? OK. They're awkwardly laying next to each other in trauma, and it's one of them. I think Abby says, "What? This is not an aw. They're so fucking cute." Moment. This is a gross and horny moment. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> this is an aw moment. Yeah. Like, oh. Carry on, Lizzie. But yeah, I think it's uh, Abby who says "monkey pox" sounds like a video game. I think it's Carter. I think yeah, actually. She, was it Car or yeah, Carter? Yeah, Carter says that, and somebody says it sounds like a venereal yeah. disease. But yeah, she, uh, but yeah, Abby has an itchy back and she's laying all sexy pose and like, <laughs> you're right, it is horny. It's super uh, horny, especially yeah. this next part. She has an itchy back and Carter offers to take a look for a rash and lifts her shirt up. And right, that immediately starts like spoon, things are being spoon on her neck. Right, and I'm just yeah. like, bro, what, what part of a rash is like sexy? Like what part of rash... The uh, searching is this was this was his version of Netflix and chill was medical exam and hookup. Not, also, like too, this... the the only thing I could think of the whole time, uh, you know, was just like the smells in that room have uh, to, have to just be yeah off they have the to charts. Be rank. It's like a hundred degrees in right, there. Right, they turn the AC off. It's still summertime. Bathed. They haven't bathed properly. Like no part of this is sexy. None. But the chemistry, Daniel. The chemistry. What chemistry? There is no chemistry here. Only pain. There is only suffering here for the next 22 weeks. Only suffering. And re regardless of your opinion on the ship, this just did not do it for me at all, just in general. Like, well, and I think and I think that's what's going to be a little bit annoying about it is that my, my – the, the the vague recollections I do have of the early parts of season nine is that I I seem to remember that they lay it on pretty damn thick. Like that they they really want you to know that they want this to work. Like they really want you to know that they are the best couple ever and it's so wonderful. And isn't it great that we're finally here? But for now. Uh, Luca and Susan are uh, trying to get everybody back downstairs. Susan ends up being stuck on the roof with Mr. Hirsch. Uh, we then uh, check over with Pratt asking Chen how things like how often things like this happen here, uh, to which I think she replies only since you showed up. Yep. Oh, which is a great line. Uh, he keeps trying to flirt with her with the with the yin and the yang. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, we're still in early, early stage Pratt. Yeah. It's, it's, it'll get better eventually. Yeah. Um, but I, I did ultimately come away with this going, come away from this going, you know, cause I know that they do pair these two up for a while, but I, I also remember it not being as fruitful of a pairing as I think I would have liked it to be. I think he could have really done something special with these two. Um, mm-hmm. and it just kind of, you know, ends up fizzling out. Um, so they, they hear Luca show up in trauma with Romano. Pratt and Chen help with the trauma, getting ice uh, for the arm and trying to uh, open up the blood bank. Susan is still up on the roof with Mr. Hirsch. Uh, she needs to grab saline from downstairs to dilute some drugs, yells for help, uh, then runs down to get the saline and runs back up. Uh, elevator door finally opens and we transition back to Pratt in the blood bank, breaking the fuck into the blood bank uh, with the the IV pole yeah, like just stand, i mean it's yeah. a great and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that derisively at all like it's it's a cool fucking scene like him busting through the window with the uh the iv pole it's a great visual right and then the cdc lady is or is it still the same yeah, lady? yeah it's the same woman yeah. i just couldn't remember what her actual role was fair uh but says they can't like carry or anyone else back in and this thing that daniel and uh lauren forgot uh the one uh, the woman who's looking for a fiance finally sees her. Colin, yay, they're reunited. Yay. He no. says for her he says for her to get away from him and that she's the he's the reason I mean she's the reason he's there because she ran him off the road into a bus. She was like, I'm mad. I was mad I was mad then, but I'm not anymore. I'll that take care of you. Vindication for uh Marge. Mm-hmm. Right. From last episode who said it was her, who they said it was her fault because she had a seizure. Which one is it? Just yeah. But a just a bizarre little detour with this uh this lady. Yeah. Yep. And uh Luca and his team are working on Romano and they lose his pulse. Great. So cool. things are going great. Awesome. Uh Susan is still yelling for help. Um she tries to hold the elevator door open as she goes and grabs the crash cart to try and fix Mr. Hirsch. And she keeps yelling for help when the elevator doors open, just trying to get anybody to come, you know, give her an extra hand. And she finally tries calling on, like, the elevator emergency phone. And this is where we we leave Susan for a minute. Um, we're back downstairs, and Anspa has shown up with some other uh, surgeons to come in. Uh, they're instructed their masks cannot come off once they're inside. So completely 180 from what they told Carrie, like, three minutes ago that nobody's allowed in. Um, Romano starts coming around and he wakes up just long enough to go, oh, I'm at County. <laughs> it's a, you, absolutely you, the way you say it is a lot more hopeful than the way he says it. He, no, just, I couldn't give oh, it enough to stay. Like, yeah. Ugh, I'm at County. Like it is a great yeah. line read from Paul McCrane. It's excellent. Um, then we see Gallant runs to go help Susan and he finds Mr. Hirsch dead with Susan sitting next to his gurney on the floor absolute heartbreaking look from susan there Mm. and then we switch to the gal pal portion of the episode where it turns into a glorified sleepover for everybody still in quarantine uh chen is washing abby's hair in the sink and they're just like oh it feels like we're the last people on the planet (laughs) okay cool (laughs) i would not spend my eh, actually hospital might not be a horrible place to Whole up, whole up at the, if you're the last person on earth. 
I feel like Lizzie and I had this discussion, but um, also this is where it starts to really feel like 2020 all over again is when we get into this portion of it. <laughs> yeah, because we've there was a time skip here. Did we get what day? This is like maybe day four or five. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's another like time that. skip there. This this is where they they you know go to the greatest lengths to try to explain the fact that uh, Maura Tierney's hair is completely different than it was in lockdown. <laughs> like her her. I didn't even know. Yeah, this is so she's not just washing Abby's hair; she's dying Abby's hair here because Debbie is now uh, fully blonde uh, at this point, uh, which uh, I'm told is a holdover from a movie that she filmed over the summer. Uh, but you know, I like the the much more toxic headcanon that they decided once they were going to pair up uh, Abby with Carter that, <laughs> that they needed to make her blonde in order to fit the profile. Uh, yeah. But, and also, I yeah, mean, I didn't even know. Granted, wow. granted, let's just, you know, let's call it out while we see it. Uh, you know, what, where are we at? 2002, late 2002. I am like right on the edge of 13 here. Uh, you know, blonde Maura Tierney. There was, <laughs> there was a, there was moments. Right, there were they, 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 Jimmy's were rustled. Let's just you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Am I good so what the kids are calling it these on? days? Thir- Thirteen-year-old me was into it. Yep. Yeah, bye. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so we go. Carter and Pratt are playing soccer in the hall, and this is where uh, mm. we get the R. Scott Gimmel special. <laughs> His uh, big contribution. Would you rather? Yeah, they're, we're playing. Would you rather? And one of the questions is. Would you rather lose your arms or your penis? And they're like, Pratt so goes like, they're well, like your, talking. Their junk will still work. Yeah, they're talking about like, like what if a woman was missing pieces? And she's like, but what if he's got rid of and and what's his nuts? Uh, no, Pratt is like, what if she? Uh, what if she, what, if she, what if she's got really great tits? Huh? Oh yeah. And specifically says, yeah, tits. which is a. a, a bit of verbiage that i don't feel like we've gotten on the show before no i don't think we have it's just the whole thing's a fucking mess yeah Carter and then carter uh punts uh one of the balls through a window through one of the door and then they literally giggle like they literally giggle and run away like small children it's and it's like who else fucking would have broken it you're the only people in the hospital it's just funny yeah san so a- a- Abby and Chen come to investigate, and Stan compliments Abby's hair. He says, frames your face very nicely. <sighs> I do also like the small, small, like, mark it in your books, because it's there's not going to be many of these this season. The small little growth thing from Carter in that scene where uh, Pratt says what he says, and then Carter says, well, what if she has a great personality? So, like, <laughs> small tiniest little morsel of a of a plus in the the carter column for uh not feeding into where See, Brad was going no with that. because i thought he was being facetious i did not read that as a sincere thing i thought he was yeah, just being like a i dick. said i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt there's not gonna be many of those uh this season there's not gonna be many times where i'm gonna do that so i'm gonna take it while i take the opportunity where i can uh, but in any event, uh, we then go over and we see Carrie checking in on Romano, uh, where he is recovering from surgery. They did reattach the arm for now. Uh, the fingers are looking pretty dusky on that, uh, on that arm though. Uh, great makeup job there. Oh, I wonder if this is a makeup job or I wonder if this is a prosthetic. Like, I wonder if they just made a, a hand for him here i would imagine it's probably his hand um that they just did a, a quick makeup job on 
uh, Carrie gives uh, so Romano's still pretty out of it at this point, still pretty gorked on the pain meds. So she gives him a drink of water uh, when he kind of groans for that he's thirsty. Uh, the doc mentions that no one has visited. They don't even know if he has family. So, like, Carrie is literally all he's got at this point. And it's, it's again, it's another one of the examples from this storyline that, like, now that we're going to have a chance to revisit it, I feel like I am going to get a little bit annoyed as we go through it how little they really scratched the surface on it. Like, they really could have done so much more and gone so much deeper with this story and really teased it out. And it does sort of feel like they kind of like pulled the plug on it much too early uh, when because we only get about a season of this, really. Like it's it's the beginning of season nine. And then within the first 10 episodes of season 10, he's gone. So we're only going to get about a season out of this before they they uh, pull the plug on it. And it's just uh, it's unfortunate. I feel like there was a lot more meat on this bone that we could have pulled from. Not to put, you know, too fine a point on it. Uh, but in any event, uh, she says for them to wait for Romano to wake up and ask him how he wants to proceed instead of going back in and trying to do more aggressive repairs. And the doc is like, well, by tomorrow it might be too late. So uh, you want to make a decision? And she's like, mm, fuck you. Just wait and let him make the choice. So good on you, Carrie. Uh, we then go over to uh, oh boy, the what I wish was my own colonoscopy instead of having to deal with this. Uh, Carter and Abby in the bathroom uh, talking about if anyone knows whether or not they've had sex. And uh, she says, where do you think I got the condoms? Because she spoke to Chen and he's pretty sure that Pratt doesn't know. It's just it's, you know, you you get it. So let's go across the Atlantic Ocean, then over to, back over to London, uh, where Lizzie is talking to her dad. When I was in Chicago, <laughs> I'd often get homesick for London. Think about the things I missed. No, you don't have to. And now I think about Chicago. Yes, I heard you had a run-in with the staff this time with the cardiologist. He took one of my patients hostage. He wanted to wait for an echo. No, that's not unreasonable, is it? Ooh, someone grasped on me. It's a small hospital. Small-minded, more like. And it's not America. You may have to adjust your approach somewhat. My approach is simply to do what's best for the patient with a minimum amount of arse licking. Uh, oh, there's my cue. What, you're not going to say hello? Hello. I'm really glad you're back, Elizabeth. <laughs> you're late. I'm sorry, I had a bowel resection. Oh, before lunch? Lovely. I washed my hands. Hold up, hold up, hold up. For the British listeners in the audience, I need, I need clarification. Is this a, like, cultural misnomer where she's trying to say ass-kissing but says something else? Or is, or are y'all really just out here in your trousers and your... Tallythorps and whatever the fuck else it is you weirdos do over there. Eating your black pudding. Eating your black pudding. Ah. Are y'all really over here using ass licking as a, as, like, Britain? Are you okay? Like, what is? The answer to that question is wow. no. That was, oof, that was my big takeaway from that, uh, that whole exchange right there. Yikes. Framed just perfectly in front of Big Ben and uh, the... Is it London Bridge or t- t- listen? Parliament, I think. I, no. I don't know. That was a different, different, different thing entirely. But we can't forget that she's in England. We, not even for a second. Yeah. 
but I want to get that because by Corday's mom. Yeah, that literally that little exchange there is the last time we will ever see Corday's mom and don't get used to seeing Corday's dad either uh, because he's gone by the end of the episode too. So, well, it's her mom goes on to be a nun in in uh Call the Midwife, so it's fine. <sighs> Corday's mom, we hardly knew ye. Indeed. But I just uh, just When's the character retrospective for her? <laughs> Coming soon. Shut Coming up. soon to Quibi. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I guess now is a good a time as any to, to discuss this, I guess. It's just like, does anybody else feel like the Lizzie stuff in this episode is incredibly tacked on? Like, yep. I, I don't bit. feel like any of this matters. And I hate it because, like, you know, as we've said in the past, like, once Mark is gone, they really, truly do lose all interest in Lizzie Corday as a character. Like, she's mm-hmm. – she is – fucked like it's not gonna get better and so like i applaud i guess the the like nominal effort they're putting out here to still include her in things and still make it seem like she has a place in this show but i just don't know if this was it like i feel like i might have wanted them to do this as its own episode you know like just do an england episode where like do give give because lizzie doesn't really have a an avengers episode she really doesn't have her own like episode where it's just her and i think i would have liked to have seen an entire episode of her feeling like a fish out of water in england that had nothing to do with what was happening at county because like this weird thing of like we go back and forth from romano's bullshit to carter and abby's bullshit to this and and then oh by the way like lizzie's in london and it's british okay you know like i just i just it's a harbinger of things to come and like it just really kind of bums me out that we really have seen the best of this character and it's all downhill from here until she's gone and it's just really bums me out yeah all right i just yeah i i'm trying not to think about it because you're right it does only go downhill from here (sighs) all right well let's uh move on uh we're up to day 12 now and we're going to go to our next audio clip where Abby is asking the real important life questions here. Do you think it's possible to die from boredom? I don't think so. What if your mind wandered off in a daydream and you forgot to eat or drink for days? Then you die of starvation and dehydration. Caused by boredom. Hmm. You smell something? That smells like heaven. <laughs> Where did this come from? I had a friend of mine slip it through the window. Ah, it's, it's contraband pizza. Mm. Yeah, why? You want some? Hell yes. Ten bucks a slice. Help yourself. You didn't get any beer, did you? I got some sodas. I take back everything I said about you, Pratt. Really? No, but thanks for the pizza. Nah, but seriously, since you guys make like five times what I do, all donations are greatly appreciated. Hey, I got some good news. Adam's fever broke. He's on the list. Ah, lovely, lovely. How about a toast? Mm. To young Adam. To young Adam. And yes. to us for surviving the plague. Ah, Unless somebody develops a rash in the next 48 hours. That's just pororum. What? The Black Death. It started in China. Infected Italian sailors brought the disease back to Sicily in 1347. In the end, 25 million people died. How do you know that, Stan? Renaissance philosophy, 1D7. You study philosophy. Taught it. Yeah, right. You're a teacher? Yeah. What happened? Things. Things happened. Things always happen. 
Are you sober now? Not by choice. Well, you know, you've been through the hard part. We can get you into a program, get you some counseling. I killed my daughter in a DUI. There's no counseling for that. Thanks for the pizza. Fuck, Stan. Jesus. This man is an absolute gem. And, like, what a great find to have somebody that can play both sides of Stan. Yeah. yeah that's, one, that's one of my favorite exchanges. Easily in season nine, it's one of my favorite. But mm. definitely within the seasons around this, it's very, it's excellent. It's up there. It's up there with, uh, for, but for very different reasons with Mark being like, uh, being like, I have a hangnail. I have a brain tumor. I win. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> And I love that they don't lean on it too much. Like, it's exactly yeah. how it would have been in real life. Just, all right, bye. Yeah. Like, y'all don't need to fucking fawn over this. I'm just going to go eat my pizza and be bummed. Mm. And I think that's the last time we see Stan, too. Like, I think that's the... Unless he, you know, just a, kind of appears in the background a little bit later. That's obviously the last, like, major contribution that he makes, you know. But uh, it's, it's a heck of a heck of a note to go out on. Uh, then we go over to Lizzie talking to her resident slash attending, and he asks why she's not in mourning clothes or wearing a dress. And he goes, oh, I see. America's mixed you up in more ways than one. <laughs> and she calls him a boorish, virulent ponce. And I'm sorry I can't do that just- justice to her absolute delivery of it, but it's it's so good that I had to at least quote it. Um, and he goes, well, you're a woman out of place on two continents. Fucking cunt. <laughs> um, I hate this man so much. Uh, Project, really? <laughs> and she gets confirmation from, I'm going to assume it's the administrator or whatever, that her house sold for 10000 over the asking price. And like she holds the facts and is looking at it like, deeply in thought clearly having a moment and this secretary just comes up and stands right behind her like over her shoulder and i love her delivery of just looking like i can read it by myself <laughs> thanks as this is going on there's of course a beautiful score going on by martin in the background not not just any score but it is the mark funeral music uh Thank mm-hmm. you for pointing that out. Uh, you know, for I guess for lack of a better word, this is their answer. This is Mark and Lizzie's answer to the Doug and Carol theme. Like this is, this is sort of the symbolic, at least in the symbolic nature of the the score. Like this is meant to symbolize kind of their whole thing and like their whole you know what she's been through with him for the last you know two years and. Uh, it's they, they don't overdo it. That's what I like about it. Like they're very selective about how and when they use it in this episode. And uh, it and they also it's a nice way to like invoke his memory without having to uh, have her constantly vocalizing how sad it is that he's not around anymore. Like that would feel a little bit over the top and a little bit like schmaltzy and shitty you know especially considering that it's like a main cast member and they don't usually like to draw attention to the fact that main cast members aren't around anymore because that's kind of like a not great thing for them uh so like it's nice that we get a chance to at least acknowledge the fact that you know like this is still an ongoing thing for her but without like taking away from the episode i really like that this is the one part of her whole arc this episode that i really like also, you were right. This is the uh, this is the last we see of Stan. Yeah, I, I just th- checked. This is his last credited episode. That's what I thought. Character perspective coming to patreon.com slash tone podcast. Absolutely ne- not. Coming in the year 3175. 
I don't know why I chose that After year. After our but... heads have been frozen. <laughs> it's a, it's it all comes back around. Tuna cans. Exactly, exactly, exactly. All right. Uh, well, let's go over to, let's get some Romano audio. So a little more Romano. Uh, Romano? A little bit more Romano. All right, well, let's uh, head back over to Romano, uh, who is not feeling particularly good. So, But Carrie visits him, so let's hear about that. What's wrong with your lunch today, Dr. Romano? Your body needs nourishment to heal itself. That's brilliant. Teach you that in nursing school. If you don't eat, I'm going to tell Dr. Gunn. Oh, go ahead, tell Gunn. I've seen his work. You might as well have someone from your prosthetics department come fit me for a hook. I'll see if I can find you something else. Um, Carrie! I was wondering when you were going to come and visit me. I was here yesterday, from the day before. You were a little out of it. Recarpeting my office? How are you feeling? I've been better. The surgery went well. Oh, yeah. So they say. But you know how surgeons lie. You were lucky. <laughs> lucky? Look, your people rallied around to save you in a deserted hospital. If it wasn't for Dr. Kovach, you... I'd still have my arm. You do still have your arm. Do I? Yes. It was a clean cut. I signed the third quarter income projections. You know, we should evacuate the hospital once every year for the money we're saving. Robert. Going to sleep now. Apparently, I need my rest. Going to sleep now. I know. I'm going to start using that in the chat for Lauren. (laughs) Going to sleep now. I apparently need my rest. As I just got a very loud notification from Microsoft Defender. Um, so to those in our Discord who uh, are GIF uh, friendly, somebody please make me the going to sleep now GIF. <laughs> it would make me so happy. Bonus points if you can. I was just gonna say Lauren's if you're if you're really mom. good with uh, Adobe, if you could just just you... put Lauren's one of the Lauren emoji faces. If you need the the PNGs, uh, you know how to you know how to find me. So. I'll say this, Daniel, bleep it out if it's not true. Whoever does this best, we will give a free month of Patreon. <laughs> I don't know that we have the ability to do that, but sure. Why not? You're right. Yeah, we I don't absolutely know that do we not. Do. Why not? Make it happen. Exactly. Uh, but no, I, I really one one underrated little like bit of that that I think and again, this could always this could also be me just like reading too much into this. Uh you know, usually is. But um I feel like buried under a lot of romano snark like buried it's it's kind of used as like a throwaway line as of just him being a dick to this nurse i think he kind mm-hmm. i think they they're letting a little bit of it in that like he knows that this surgery mm-hmm. didn't take and like that oh 100 percent. like he's he's 100 percent. like like he the the guy is still in there like the yeah. You know, the the brilliant surgeon is still in there and he knows better than anybody and he knows sooner yeah. than anybody that this isn't going to work. And yeah, like he said, you know, surgeons lie. Right. So like I uh, I really appreciate the subtlety of that line there of like I've I've seen I've seen what's his nuts his work and like, you know, you might as well just have mm-hmm. them fit me for a hook like he fit me for a hook. Like I think that's it's kind of shrouded in him being a dick to the nurse but it's also i think a little bit of a wink and a nod line from the writers knowing where they're going with this storyline headed all the way to sam stealing his hook god it's wait okay no no never mind it's fine i'll i'll remember when we get there it's just still so weird to think that like 
like I said earlier, this is a relatively short storyline. It's going to encompass, you know, just over a season's worth of time. And that by the end of it, we're going to be able to say things like Sam and Archie. And that's going to be sensible. And like, that's going to be just faces in the crowd by then. That's that feels still like a very far off distant horizon. And yet it's and Archie getting high during a mass right. casualty. It's, it's only incident. like a season away. And that's very scary to me. <sighs> but in any event, we must go back for more uh, tea and toast over in Britain because Lizzie is in surgery. She gets scolded for starting a procedure on her own. Uh, and a uh, man moves her aside so that he can check her work, says the more I'll, uh, or says the more I'll see, the better he'll do. And she pretty much tells him to fuck off. This is definitely her dad here, right? Like, this, I'm not making that up. Like, this is. No. No. No, this is not her. This dad. is absolutely not he her. Def- okay, I'm gonna uh, uh, hold, please, because I'm definitely gonna okay. pull up the episode because I I okay. was like, this is her dad. Like, it's absolutely not. That is 100 percent Paul Freeman. That is her dad. He's behind a surgical mask, but that is his voice. That is her father. But, okay, but I don't think it's supposed. No, to No, it is though. It okay. is literally his voice. His that is her father. Okay, but but I'm saying like. When she greets him, it's Dr. So-and-so. I do not believe it's supposed to be her dad. No. Why would they use him in the scene okay. if it's not going to be her dad? That okay. is her okay. dad. I completely, that is, completely that is her disagree. Dad. Aaron, back me, up I under- in the, back me up in the comments. Like, I, don't, I don't think you're lying. I'm just saying, to me, it doesn't make sense based on how later goes. But that's that's fine. Whatever. It's That, that, is, that it's is 100% her dad. So I believe you. Anyway, uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Carrie and Frank are in the ER, and they're about to reopen. Morning, Frank. Ah, welcome back, Dr. Weaver. Wax the floors. Yeah, nice, huh? Take smallpox for them to finally sanitize the place. Wasn't smallpox, Frank. Yeah, mutated monkey scabs. Whatever. Other departments online? ICU and surgery have been up since midnight. Peds, pick you, labor and delivery open with us. Everybody else starts at noon. Dr. Pratt? See ya. Disease control clear ya? 100%. Probed in every which way you can think of. I don't of. need to hear the details. Did we get all our monitors back? iMeds, Propax, and portable vents. Crash carts are stocked and ready. <sighs> I don't get it. We're closed for two weeks, and they make us come back at 6 a.m.? It could have been midnight. I'll catch you quacks later. Oh, I see you're better. It was never that bad. I told you guys not to sweat it. Dr. Pratt, Dr. Galan called in sick. I need you to cover for him until 3. What? Well, you just said you felt good. Yeah, I know, but come on, man. I... Kidding, Pratt. See you uh-huh. next week. Dr. Weaver, can you sign this? What is it? My time card. Two straight weeks of overtime. Do you think I'm kidding? Dermatologically clear. Hey, febrile. OK, you're free to go. What, no psych consult? We try not to inflict any long-term damage. Oh, well, she was borderline anyway. Thank you for your understanding and cooperation. Hey, can you tell us? What? If the virus was engineered or natural? The system worked. Everyone did their job, especially at the local level. You're not going to tell us. See you later, Deb. Yeah, it was fun, Carter. Let's get these beds made up so we're not setting up as we go. Janie, you triage? Yes, on my way. Hey, you survived. You look tan. I went to Barbados. Sorry. (laughs) Barbados. I had two weeks. What else was I supposed to do? Frank, what time is it? 5.59. Okay, we're open.
ER. My opinion is this is where this episode should end. They mm-hmm. should move some other stuff around if they need to, but this should be the end of the episode. 100%. Agreed. Because re- I just want to start really, okay. really nothing the rest of the episode, in my opinion, matters that much. Like, because like I said, the, the no. stuff with Lizzie, I feel like is already sort of like tacked on in this episode. I feel like you could have easily shifted that around or whatever, you know, like I just and then the, the stuff, the stuff with Abby and Carter at the very end of the episode, that is it's also a location thing in Chicago, which means they shot it separately. So, like, I feel like that was an idea somebody had very like kind of. Oh, let's do this and then like you know like stuff just it feels like this was the original end of the episode in the first draft of the script like i bet in the first draft of the script this was where the episode ended and then they had to find ways to like stretch that extra like six minutes out of the episode to be like how do we get this to 43 minutes and you know eh, like th- you're right lauren this is absolutely where it should have ended also i just gotta say I love Abby's fuck you, pay me attitude <laughs> yes. because I would do the exact no, same thing. Two weeks of overtime. I couldn't fucking go anywhere. I was stuck at work. Pay me. Yeah. 100%. But uh, with that being said, we see Carter seeing Adam being wheeled into an ambulance with his parents out in the ambulance bay. And he says to Abby, he goes, stuck here two weeks. I don't want to go home. Fuck you, dude. Go home and shower, you weirdo. Like, just... <sighs> Go home and check on Gamma. Right? How's her busted hip? Go check on your grandmother. Go do literally anything else. She has Alger. She doesn't need no Carter. You just spent two weeks disgusting in no air conditioning with this woman. Go fucking shower. Get a break. Uh, Let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Let's say goodbye to Lizzie's dad. Lizzie is up on the roof. Of the, of the hospital with her dad. You're not thinking of jumping? No, not quite that desperate. Can I join you? It's your hospital. Yes, it is, isn't it? So what's wrong with the surgical lounge? Habit, I suppose. At County, we often go up on the roof when the place gets too much for us. I'm glad everything there isn't perfect. Beginning to develop an inferiority complex. Far from it. Homesick then? Yes, you do. What? Have a home. Can't bring yourself to sell it, I understand. I assume Mr. Cummins survived his hemicolectomy without further incident. We do seem to manage here from time to time. You haven't developed vertigo yet in your teenage years. Reminds me of your tree climbing days. The headmistress couldn't get you out of that sycamore to save her life. I had to drive all the way down to Tunbridge Wells. <laughs> A counsellor was brought in. Suggested some kind of rebellion. Separation anxiety. Pride for attention, what have you. Turned out you just like climbing trees. I knew that. You were an unbridled spirit from the womb. I don't know what to do. I know. I know. So, Daniel, you're right. With that, I see that it was her father, but just, like, the sheer amount that they don't mention how fucking brutal that scene is, you can see why I would have, like, not put that together. Yeah. 
Because I thought when she said, oh, so-and-so survived, I thought it meant that somebody ratted on how she behaved. Mm. Not necessarily that it was him, but you're right. I concede. (sighs) But yeah, this is the last appearance of her dad. So we get both mom and dad Mm. out the window in the same episode. She is Now she has no home and no parents. Great. Great. Love that for her. Yep. She's got an Ella, though. She does have an Ella, which perfect transition, Lizzie, we see... Other Lizzie at the train station uh, headed to Heathrow Airport with Ella. She's going back to Chicago after one episode away. Yes. It's a lovely train ride. When I went to London, we flew into Heathrow and took that train into into London. It was a very lovely time. Nice. I just like trains. Yes. Toot toot. Uh, So... Let's end, let's. I was gonna say, speaking of toot toot, let's end this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but that makes no sense. So here's our last audio clip. Here, Abby and Carter are talking about something. Yeah, well, they're talking about the ep- I'm assuming they're talking about this episode, mm-hmm. like just what we've seen already. They so because we're yeah. All right. So let's. They're talking about chaos theory. So let's listen. Chaos theory. Yeah, virus mutates in the Congo. We evacuate an ER in Chicago. Romano gets his arm cut off. You lost me. Seemingly random events, all part of a larger equation. I'm hot. A butterfly flaps its wings in China and creates a tornado halfway around the world. Are you hot? Just saying that there's an inherent unpredictability about everything. Evolution, life, love, relationships. So what am I, the butterfly, the tornado? No, you're chaos in general. (laughs) Thanks. No, I'm just saying you're chaos to me, the unknown. Chaos to you. You are hardly chaos, Carter. I'm just saying that there's a risk in anything that you do, right? But don't you want to stack the odds in your favor? I mean, I'm drawn to you. It's kind of that simple. I've been drawn to you for two years, but chaos always seems to rule, and I don't want it to rule. I want to know where it's taking me. Know what I mean? Nope. The tornado, definitely the tornado. Are you coming in? Oh my God, Abby's such an unbridled free spirit. You know the Lizzie will appreciate this as a Parks and Rec uh, watcher. The, you know the the whole thing with Ron when he's in his toxic relationships, and he he's like mm-hmm. the, the thing I love about Tammy is that she calls me on my crap. Like and like, it's yeah. the same fucking thing. And then like you know, cut cut to yep. him in jail with cornrows and like half his mustache yep. burnt off. Like that's yep, that's that's Carter here. Like I'm just like yeah, she calls me on my crap. Like yeah. no, you're you're the, fucking uh, two children. Of- you're two toxic children. This show would be greatly improved by ha- adding Megan Mullally <laughs> and uh, Nick Offerman. Yeah, the. When he's talking about this at the very beginning, though, when he's talking about chaos theory and she's like, I'm warm. Are you warm? Because I'm warm. And he just keeps going. It's that meme of that dude at a party screaming into a woman's ear who just looks super bored. She'll say literally anything to get him to shut up. Yep. hundred percent. But yeah, I think I said this, but I'm going to say it again. That water will be fucking freezing. Bleh. But if you haven't taken a proper shower in two weeks, yeah, do you under- really fucking care? Understandable, but I'm just saying, it would be fucking cold. She would have at yeah. least exclaimed at how cold it was. Like she would have had that initial like ah, like not just not just like oh, are you coming in the water? 
I mean, there are a little bit warmer spots. Like sometimes, like in the, I don't know. There's there's warmer spots, but like it never cracks above like sixty eight degrees. I think in any one spot, yeah. in particular, yeah. It's a huge fucking lake. <laughs> this is why you play in the water that splashes up over like the on the rocks yes. and you just play in those little because that gets direct sunlight. The little and that gets really nice pools. and warm. Yeah. Yeah. Go splish splash. Anyway. anyway, I uh, would register my much much greater support for the chaos theory half of the equation than the lockdown half. Uh, I find Absolutely. I found lockdown to be kind of unpleasant to watch just because of how many like you know twenty twenty vibes it brought up, and like this one still has a little bit of that, but like it has a lot more of the intriguing elements that I like about the show. The, the DNA of the show that I know and love, even though people always say mm-hmm. that like season nine is like a soft reboot and it's like a new show and everything. I still found enough of the old familiar feelings to really keep me mm-hmm. grounded. And, you know, I, I don't think it's perfect by any means. I still think it's like in the, s- I'm going to say on its best day in eight. Um, mm-hmm. But like the stuff that it gets right, I feel really strongly about like the, the, the helicopter moment is in my opinion, undeniably great. Like I, I, I feel like a lot of the hate that it gets is because of the other helicopter moment that gets mm-hmm. kind of superimposed over top of it. This one is really, really well done, and I wish they had kind of capitalized on it to a greater degree. Uh, but like the Lizzie stuff, like I said, that deserves to be its own episode, and it deserves to be done in a less kind of cartoonish, stupid way. Um, and you know the the Abby and Carter stuff like I can't I'm not going to be able to escape that this season so I'm not going to spend all my time like bemoaning it every single week you know because it's just going to get tiresome for everybody but like you know it is what it is like it, the the stuff that this episode gets right it gets really right and then the stuff that it gets wrong is just kind of yeah you know it, it could be better mm-hmm. but it, it's still I think the far superior of the two yeah I think it's a solid seven seven and a half and see where I'm at is like like I said last episode I can't necessarily like rate them like I have to take them as one in my own brain because I always watch them as one I always think of them as one episode I always so I give it one I give it one Romano's arm (laughs) on the ground out too Um, no but for real I give it a I give it like a 9 out of 10 just like the whole the whole shebang I give a 9 out of 10. It works really well as a nice little hour and a half long story. Absolutely. All right, but Lauren, what would the listeners have to say about it? Oh, this is a meaty one. Uh, Lizzie, I might actually ask you to tap in and give Daniel a bit of a break, so we'll see how this I'm goes. I'm sorry. I forgot how to read. I'm sorry. That's fine. Megan M. says, yes, this is one of my favorite episodes. I'll never forget the shock I felt when I watched this during the original run. The arm chop, the shot with the severed arm in the foreground, and then the commercial break. I've always been a huge Romano fan and had always hoped this would lead to a big character arc, which I suppose it did. But as we all know, the writers kind of backed him into a corner, a corner under a helicopter. Rodney C. says, It's funny. I think the show itself is saying Carter and Abby is a doomed from the start. They were never endgame. The ride towards that is up. The ride towards that obvious destination does get too tedious, though. Brilliant use of Mark's funeral music, almost like a ghost floating around Elizabeth as she tries to move forward. Sadly, I don't think there ever was much more for the character after this. I'm glad to have 
to have Alex Kingston on my screen, but her character was just too intertwined with Mark by this point. It's so childish, but I almost smile at Carter and Pratt running away from the broken glass like children. <laughs> Lastly, this episode marks one of my favorite TV tropes, the having to explain actors' hair changes during hiatus. Sometimes they don't, then sometimes they go overboard trying to explain it. But... I guess they had to make a big deal of it with Abby since she is quarantined with no hairdresser in sight. Hannah B. says, Hope I'm not too late to comment. Found this podcast earlier in the year and it has been such a joy to revisit ER episode by episode with you. You've kept me company during lonely days and long nights when I've not been very well. Chaos Theory. Such a special episode for me. So much so that I went to Chicago just to visit ER filming locations and took photos of the beach where Carter and Abby visit and Abby goes skinny dipping in the water. I live in the UK and was doing my GCSEs, the exams for 16-year-olds, at the time. Caught a repeat during the day as I was at home on study leave, fell in love with the show instantly, and followed it from there. Rented out all the previous seasons one disc at a time on Amazon Rental until I could buy my own copies. It's now very weird to rewatch this episode after COVID, but at the time I thought it was funny, moving, shocking, and exciting. I was gripped. I loved all the characters straight away, especially Abby, Susan, and Carter. My ship gets a lot of hate, but I will always be Team Carby. Lauren editorializing here and saying, yes, we make fun of Carby, but I am totally pro whatever anybody wants to ship. Y'all do your own thing. I can't judge. I got Lizzie and the bald boys going on over here. Uh, Elizabeth has something to say real quick. I was just going to tag in for you if you want. Uh, I'm I'm still actually surprisingly doing well. Go um, keep, please yeah. keep going. I'm actually very proud. We joke about this, but uh, Alina, I finally, I screenshotted your comment where you said how to pronounce your name. So I'm never going to get it wrong again. <laughs> Alina M says, I remember when they originally aired the episode, there was a viewer's discretion notice. No wonder. Seeing Romano's arm chopped off was very graphic. Showing Romano's perspective right after the accident makes it frighteningly real. I will say that Luca, although greatly underused in this episode, is the hero of the episode to me. I never noticed until a recent rewatch that Luca takes off his belt right away to use it as a tourniquet for Romano's arm. He knows what to do and he keeps his cool. It was nice to see Elizabeth in England, and boy did they make clear she was in England. Sadly, her storyline didn't grab me because I didn't get much insight into her motivation to return to England and her emotional struggles. Here they should have extended it to at least two episodes. By the way... Dr. Whitehead was definitely the British counterpart of Romano, and the nosy receptionist was Frank. Nice. I have to agree that the writers kind of dropped Elizabeth after this episode. Sadly, they did the same with Chen. Or, sadly, they did the same with Chen. From a creative point of view, I love season 9, but season 9 is also definitely the Carter and Abby show. One thing that bothers me is that none of the quarantine staff seems to have bonded after being stuck with each other for two weeks. That is, of course, Carter and Abby excluded. Also, good to know that Abby and Carter use condoms. That's very rare for county staff. Nice. Uh, Franner W. says, I love a good parody stuck-up British character. Surprised he hasn't got Austin Powers' teeth in a name like Tarkin Fauntleroy III. I qualified as a nurse in 2003, and we were not wearing hats. We were in tunics and trousers or a dress if you preferred, and still are. 
We still call surgeons Mr. or Mrs. Miss, and, a med- and medical docs are called doctor. At the time, though, medicine in the UK was still a boys' club, and so that bit is accurate, but the writing and overacting make my top lip twitch a bit. I look forward to Abby's journey from here on in. This is the start of her ending up right where she needs to be, and I enjoy all the storylines along the way that get her there. She's my favorite character, and Mora is just brilliant. I also love Pratt and Chen, a nice bit of cuteness amongst all the chaos. And I know some of our listeners are from the other side of the pond because favorite keeps having a U in it. Um, And my spell check keeps telling me it's wrong. And last, but certainly not least, we have at the full-time dad says, Chaos Theory is one of my favorite premieres. As absolutely nonsensical as Romano's injury is, the ensuing sequences of the skeleton crew rallying to save his life and limb, Susan was really good, as well as several other patients, is the adrenaline-infused ER that I live for. The score, the pacing, is all trademark ER excellence, and of course, Romano's, oh god, I'm at county, is an S-tier line read. I also like the choice of using the funeral score in the final Elizabeth scenes in London to bookend these moments. Back to the episode. Beyond the start of Carby, we also get a look at the revamped cast dynamic. With Pratt playing a much more central role, hell, he leapfrogs poor uh, Goran in in the credits, and Chen being much more utilized than she had been in previous seasons. For better or worse, depending on which side of the fandom you split, This season is going to orbit around Abby and Carter. And if you didn't know where the relationship was going, and were watching it as a first-time viewer, there are some cute moments, including some of the lockdown pillow talk and Abby's skinny dipping dipping attempt. How are you feeling, Lauren? I'm good. My mouth hurts, but I'm good. All right. On that happy (laughs) note, uh, we are going to say thank you all very much for listening. We always really appreciate it. I don't know how the fuck we're into season nine. I'm so happy. I genuinely don't, but all of us are very thrilled. Uh, speaking of things that are thrilling, you should go check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Tone Podcast. We're for only $5 a month or or $50 for a year. Yeah. Save $10. Save $10. That annual membership. Uh, get access to over 70 hours of bonus audio and video content, uh, including The Lounge. You get movie reviews, which we are should have a new one of those Guys. coming up. Guys, sometime soon. We got a good one planned. We we got a good one to celebrate being done with the chicanery of season eight. We got a ridiculous shit post of a movie review that we are doing this month. Yeah, I'm not that stuff. Not gonna say anything more, but it's gonna be good. Uh, main ca- main cast character retrospectives, which we should be done with those until season ten. What do we said? We said season ten. It's yeah. Romano's the next one. I don't remember who's but, the next, but season ten. That much. But yeah, I know. we're done. But. Got plenty of them up there already for you. Point is, we love you. If you want to throw some money our way, we greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, you can just follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone Pod, at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Setting the Tone Podcast. And you can also join the official Setting the Tone community also on Facebook. Really appreciate it. Uh, Lauren, you got anything to plug? Uh, y'all can watch my Instagram climbing videos if you want to laugh at me. I'm at Lobo92345. My whole Instagram is just climbing now. And I am still on the dumpster fire that is Twitter. Hey. I am at RandomGamer. That's G-A-M-3-R. Uh, Daniel, who has had to leave a little early, is Dan is dan.you.el Good job. on Instagram. Yep. 
So check out all. I'm sure it's. it's I'm sure it's. All, I haven't actually it's, looked at his it's Instagram. Legos it's Legos and cats. I was gonna say it's all Legos and probably Bimmy. Yeah, and, that's a lot of it. Lego, Lego, Bimmy, and D's. But it's worth. Yes. He's a good follow. All right, but the point is, thank you. We really appreciate it. We will see you next week. Bye.